Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ruth, one of the enduringly popular features of the podcast is where we exchange uh, music. Over the months we've been doing it, I've played Crosby, Stills and Nash and also played The Birds. And mm-hmm. the thing those two bands had in common was David Crosby, who founded the Birds. He died. No, no, he's still with us. Huh. Uh, David Crosby, no, what, what they had in common, he founded the Birds, and then later was one of the members of Crosby, Stills and Nash. He's now sober uh, after decades. He's about 72, 73. Oh, what's the point? <laughs> that's a good point you make there. But he's now sober after decades of uh, drug abuse, and he's uh, tweeted this week... If smoking marijuana causes short-term memory loss, what does smoking marijuana do? Which I rather, <laughs> I rather liked. That's David because he's got a um, sense of humour. No, yeah, it's okay. Perfect. And he's sober, but you know, he's, he's sober yeah. without being pious about it. Yeah, as it true. Were. Yeah, we better get on because not that funny. I found it amusing, but there you go. Uh, I'm from well. I'm from the sixties, the same as uh, David Crosby is. We've got a lot to talk about today, so should we? Fire away. Let's. God. <laughs> I love it as soon as I, It's almost like Pavlov's conditioned reflex. As soon as I play the little Pavlov's? sting... Pavlov's? Who's Pavlov? Pavlov, the famous psychiatrist, psychologist. Never heard of Pavlov? Well, no, I've heard of him, but... Have I'm... you heard of Pavlov's conditioned reflex? Well, the experiments he did with dogs... And they started it's to. All new. They started to. Oh, blimey, I thought you would have known that. They started to uh, salivate when he. You just showed them the. Or basically, what he did was. That's like me with food. <laughs> he, he, rang, he rang a bell and then gave them some food. Yeah, so then, then when they he hear took the, the bell. the food away, they'd hear the bell. Yeah, I know about the condition, the, that stuff, but I didn't know it was Pavlov. It was definitely Pavlov. Interesting. Let's give the guy his credit. Yes, you start to yawn, but you will have another yawn. Well, no, no, it's Be just because you said yawn. That's not my <laughs> that, fault. That's Pavlov's cognition reflex. Liam Neeson, let's uh, address... Are we going to start with Liam Neeson? Well, we can start with another joke, as he didn't like that one. This is Christian Talbot, and his joke is, words can't express how much I hate World Emoji Day. Oh, I've seen, I saw that. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's quite amusing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. that, again, it's just quite amusing. They're not like laugh out loud, ha ha ha. But then I don't no. think a one liner like that really is often laugh out loud. You know, I think it more like bits mm, make you the, like laugh because they like build on it. They build on it. You're yeah, right, absolutely. Liam Neeson. What's your take on Liam Neeson? Should I, we I read today. for the listeners? Mm. Should we do two things before we start talking about it? One, say what Liam Neeson said. Mm, I was about to oh, say Oh, were you going to say that? I was, just didn't want you to be like, what do you think? 
and no, then people are like say, oh i don't know what's going on and then they think we might be discussing mm. taken three or something no we won't discuss taken three he said in an it. interview have you not seen taken i've never three? seen any of the taken you've never seen films. any of the taken i've not seen taken one taken two or taken three i've not seen two i don't think i think i've seen one and three well, Taken 3 is kind of... Very you won't understand Taken 3 at all if you've not seen the first two. No. Uh, Liam <laughs> Neeson uh, said that he once armed himself. Oh, no, my so, other thing to preface with was uh, we are who's, white who's people. Who's Liam Neeson? No, we are white people. Yes, And this is an issue about race. And I think that it's really important to say when you, sh- when you speak on it, because white people should, especially people with um, a platform to speak about it. But... I think that they should say before that it's important to stand back and let black I'm people speak about race. I'm assuming most people will have realised by now that we're white. Even yeah, no, I'm just... Ch- well, you know what I mean. Because there is a picture that goes up with No, the- but I'm just... No, but it's important. I think it's really important to acknowledge it, to say, I'm going to talk about this because I can talk about it. And it's important to acknowledge, like, race issues, even if you're not, um, like, minority ethnic. But black asian minority ethnic but you should say <laughs> you see i'm part of a persecuted minority i'm you're jewish. not you, well i'm jewish and I, you know we all right we control the media we control banking so but apart from that we're more or less a persecuted minority but you should say that it's important mm. to step okay. back and you know and let you know you know what i'm saying i just think that you should say that before we talk about it well go on you tell us what he's uh, what he's done and what he's said so he when he was friend. promoting his film which is called cold pursuit and it's a film about revenge and he his friend in a, several years ago his friend told um him about how he she'd been raped and um by a black man and he went out for a week trying to find a black man to murder because mm. he was so angry it's basically the story. Did you not think to yourself that this... I mean, the first time I heard about this and heard about all, all, all the row that it had created, I thought to myself, this sounds to me like a story... Because he's an actor, and it sounds to me like a story he'd made up to, For the thing, to the sell purposes. a film about uh, rape. Because well, why would you... Revenge. Th- about revenge, sorry, it's not about rape. So... Uh, it, it struck me no, that he made the thing, whole thing up. No, I don't think he has because I think that he would have said he made it up by now. I don't think he could. I don't, you know, I don't think. Uh, it just sounded so implausible. What I think was yeah, the first thing is, oh my god, he's sixty-six years old. He's been doing interviews for forty years of his life or something, and he said that in an interview. Are you actually kidding? Is he stupid? Do you know what I mean? Of course, that would turn into a massive story, like. How could you not? That was my immediate reaction. Was like as if. See, we're getting two views on this. People, Piers Morgan, for instance, is saying that uh, he's a horrendous racist. Yeah, and uh, he's a murderer, and he uh, should. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's not a murderer. Not a murderer, but that's kind of what Piers Morgan said. He was yeah, like, well, the act of thinking about murder is the same as committing murder, which would make me a murderer probably too, and everybody else, every in the world, and everybody yeah. else in the world. I think, yeah, and so he said it's absolutely abhorrent and stuff. Yeah. And then the other side of the thing is that he's been actually quite honest by acknowledging it. That's yeah, and what John, I, John Barnes, John Barnes who's uh, a black yeah. ex-footballer, has said that he thinks he's very brave coming out and admitting and we're all racist in some way, which I suppose we are. I think that he is completely right. I don't know whether... You think who John Barnes is I think John is Barnes right. is right that everyone is inherently racist unconsciously Mm. i think that um maybe not i don't know whether racist would be the right word and i don't know whether it would be more like racial prejudice because i just think that you like difference so well racist you can be racist without being prejudiced no i think you can be prejudiced without being racist 
No, I what I'm saying is you can be racist, but you would treat people equally. Oh, yeah, 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 that's what I mean. I think that you have a natural affinity for people who look similar to you and there's scientific studies on this that you are more likely it's like an animalistic thing that you're more likely to protect people and like people who look more similar to you Mm. um on a basic level and there's do you think it's outrageous that liam neeson's movie has been cancelled the premiere of his movie I don't know, but I think that he... No, do you, I want you to say... Yeah, obviously, I think it is. I think it's outrageous that his movie has been uh, cancelled. Well, yeah, yeah, I do think that's bad, because you I know, think that... let's go and uh, rip up all... Uh, let's find somebody who's committed some outrage at some point. Let's go and... Uh, well, rip up all Harvey Weinstein's films. Yeah, let's go and throw away all Harvey Weinstein's Let's him. go and, and tear down Leonardo da Vinci's No, I think paintings. that is ridiculous, but I also yeah. think that what Liam Neeson has done wrong now... So I think that... It's not... I don't think it's brave. You don't think it's brave? No, I don't know. Because on the one hand, I think that he is honest when he's saying that, like, being angry will make people act not like themselves and will make people do things that they wouldn't normally do. Mm. And I've been in arguments with mum or whatever where I've said things in the heat of the moment that Mm. I would not think about saying afterwards or, you know, with my friends and relationships, whatever. Like, you do say stuff that you then immediately wish you hadn't said but I think that him saying I'm not racist and and then and then saying after he said all that stuff and then going oh I'm not racist I don't even think he understands his own feelings and I don't think he understands his own own racism and then he said and then he came out afterwards and he did the show the show whatever where he was explaining himself yeah and he he didn't apologize and he should have he should have said I'm sorry for for being that person, I'm sorry for Why thinking that thing. Why do you have to apologise? I think it's enough to explain. Without, I mean, what difference no, does that what make? Does it, He's sort of just no, explaining because the way that he explained. I don't know. I don't know whether apology would even be the right word, but the way that he explained was not at all remorseful of thinking those things. Well, you say it wasn't remorseful. He, it was more just know, an explanation, and also he would never have said the, the the thing that it comes down to, which I think is the really weird thing is that he asked, he said in the interview, the original interview, when she said that she'd been raped, he said, what colour was he? Someone who's not racist doesn't do that. If some, if one of my friends told me that they'd been raped, I would never well, ask what colour they were. That's him telling the story. He, he, I, I still cleave to the view that he's made it up to flog the movie. Because mm-hmm. b- conveniently, see, obviously, what the paper, the next step for the media would be to track down the Liam Neeson oh, friend God. who was raped. She's, she's dead. Yeah. She's dead. So it just seems very convenient that for the basis of this story that he's told. Do you the think that someone would not, stoop that low? As to make well, a story sell, about someone being raped? Yeah, to sell a movie. Um, I think it might be possible. You know, I'll tell you what I think. I think it's possible he heard the story and somebody else did it. He wanted to talk about the sort of atavistic nature of revenge. And I think mm. he, he's plucked a story and he's an actor. Uh, I don't know, but I think there's at least a 50-50 chance uh, of that. Wow, 50-50, throwing out some statistics. <laughs> I think there's at least a 50-50 chance. I also think that, that in a way, because he grew up in Ireland at the time of the Troubles, when there were all sorts of revenge attacks going on all the time, the daily life uh, in Northern Ireland mm. was about revenge attacks, about people being kneecapped and absolutely terrible, terrible things that he grew up with in Northern Ireland. That's another reason you would cut him a bit of slack. 
I think. Yeah. And certainly not cancel his movie. Maybe conditioned by Northern Ireland. Now, in Northern Ireland, what people used to used to ask people all the time was, what school did you go to? And they know immediately whether it was a Catholic or a Protestant. And if mm. in his upbringing, when there was a, a rape or a crime or a kneecapping or anything like that, one of the first questions you would establish was what religion was the person yeah. who did it. So I'm just wondering if that's... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think that it's really... What I think it does highlight the whole story is that people are really quick... People really quickly, after the story had been released, took aside Piers Morgan, it's abhorrent, blah, 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 John Barnes. Oh, he's a hero for saying this. Do you know what I mean? It's in between. Yeah, it's somewhere in between. And and also, to talk about this takes massively complex conversations about race in general. And I'm not educated enough to do that on it. I don't think you are. Like... I think you need like professors in like race relations well, to I'm not talk pro- about no, it. I'm not a professor, but uh, do you want my very playful take on this? Oh, this um, is <laughs> this is a pre-prepared joke. <laughs> and that my take on this is that people are prepared to cut Liam Neeson a bit of slack, but not Harvey Weinstein or Woody Allen. So I'm putting it down to uh, anti-Semitism. I'm joking. <laughs> Before we leave the uh, Liam Neeson case altogether, there was apparently, and I read this in Rod Liddell's column, which is never always that reliable, but basically he said there was an article in The Guardian that said you shouldn't shouldn't smile at black people because, you know, when you see a black person, I presume to show how non-racist you are. And he quotes from The Guardian, it says, over-smiling allows us to mask an anti-blackness that is foundational to our very existence as white. A fleeting benevolence, of course, has no relation to how black people are actually undermined in white spaces. Black friends have often told me that they prefer open hostility to niceness. That's Rod Friends? Liddell. Yeah, that, that's, so, that's, I understand what you're saying, but that's both that some of his friends have said that. Like, what, well, which people does he hang around with? Over smiling. Well, when people talk but about... But I do that to old people. Not to black people so much. I understand that it's, the whole world is a white space, but I do it to old people to prove that I'm not like a hooligan. Hmm. It, it is but interesting, over, over smiling. Yeah. Over smiling. And mm. you do all sorts of things to show how inclusive you are, don't you? I mean, but then at the end yeah, of the day, also, how do you stop? Yeah, how... The thing is, right, I get annoyed with people who say this, and I understand why... Get I annoyed un- with so, people who say what? No, I say this, and then I was going to say it. <laughs> Give me a sec. People will say that, they do, that they're not a feminist, they're an egalitarian. And it makes me really annoyed because I think it ignores a historic and systemic oppression of women. Think, we're talking about women here. No, no, no. It's the same thing. And then when the Black Lives Matter movement happened, loads of people said, well, all lives matter. That's not the point. The point is that black people have faced specific oppressions that white people haven't. And it's the same thing with women. And so in an ideal world, there would be no need to treat people differently because everyone is just equal, but they're not. So I think you do have to over-smile or or use like positive discrimination in the workplace because if not, nothing will ever get to that point. So I think it's a necessary evil in a way that you have to overdo things because we don't live in a world where things are equal. Let's lighten it up a bit and talk about Graham Norton. You a big fan? 
Yeah, I love Graham Norton. You love Graham Norton. Well. Oh, has he done something wrong where I'm not going to be able to, to like him anymore? No, I think you can still like him. It's okay. uh, it's a complaint about Graham Norton and Jonathan Ross, actually. Oh, uh, Jonathan Ross, I'm not a fan of. No. Well, uh, Maureen Lippman, who's an actress quite well known. She's been in a lot of plays. She was in uh, a very well-known advert years ago, way before your time, for British Telecom, before they were even called BT. They were just called British Telecom, yeah. So she's in these adverts. She has complained that uh, the chat shows these days, and particularly what she calls the sofa chat shows, so she's talking about Jonathan Ross and she's talking about Graham Norton, that they're puerile and uninformative because there used to be people like Wogan and Michael Parkinson did chat shows, but what she's saying now is she says these are misogynistic formats that pressure female guests to share embarrassing sexual stories according to Maureen Lippman. She says, what matters most in them are the bum-poo-willy-titty references, a sign, in my view, of the increasing infantilization of TV. And she's written this in an article for the Radio Times. Her description of larky sofa shows overseen by sniggering hosts it matches both the Graham Norton show on BBC One and ITV One's The Jonathan Ross Show. She said that the new generation of late-night talk show hosts, so this is moving on from Wogan and Parkinson, those people, had descended into a battle between female guests to tell the most offensive, degrading anecdotes. And she cited British actress Kate Beckinsale, who admitted hiding chocolates between a sleeping friend's buttocks as a prank, and Olivia Colman, who confessed to placing a sponge between her legs before filming a sex scene. She she also referenced uh, Miriam Margolis, who tells... Oh, well, yeah, but that's, but that's her whole thing, is telling the most outrageous, outrageous stories. And sometimes you can see Graham Norton's face thinking, this story's even a bit too much for this. What do you think, though? Do, but that's think... the whole... It's not question time, is it? Do you know what I mean? They're not, no. they're not there to, well, to be completely informed. That's, the, then... that's the, the thing. And also, I don't think the, the men tell just as embarrassing stories. Um, John Malkovich told the story about his own circumcision. That was yeah. He told the story basically. How did you remember that? They do it at a very very early age. Oh no no no! So basically, he said, "I'm circumcised," and his wife said, "No, you're not." And he said, "No no, I definitely am." And then he went to the doctor for like a physical like checkup or whatever. He's like, "Would you mind?" I was having a disagreement with my wife, and he told it really well. But I was having a disagreement with my wife, and she said that I'm cir- I'm not circumcised, and he said no <laughs> oh, and he was like are you, am I circumcised and the doctor just went no yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean like the the men tell these stories as well um, the, and I've listened to I watched the Graham Norton show pretty religiously mm, you love it. and um, I've heard both of those stories the Kate Beckinsale one she seems happy to tell it and um, the Olivia Coleman one was about shooting um, a same sex oh, no you shouldn't call it same sex but a sex scene with Emma Stone because uh, because um, sometimes you call it gay sex, but you shouldn't call it gay sex because it's just sex. I can't keep up with all this, but go. On. So she's about shooting a sex scene with Emma Stone, and that was like one of their techniques to make it more natural because she never shot that kind of sex scene before. And like again, she doesn't seem like she doesn't I'd love want to know to where the sponge it. came in, just to make it look more to and to make it feel less uncomfortable because right. you've got something to do right that was the I whole thing of, it's about it's, yeah it's about yeah. acting sounds to me to be a perfectly decent uh, yeah and she's so Maureen Littman's talking and I don't know about the infantilization of tv well we that? used to have intellectual shows like the Benny Hill show <laughs> yeah. uh, no but I don't think it's any more tv is it's what what I don't know what Orwell calls it but he calls it he calls it something like um brainwashing for the masses oh, the opi- or something the opi- like that opi- opioid of the masses opi- that's Marx. Opiate. 
Opiate. That's Mark. Opioid, isn't it? No, Opiate and the Masses. Opiate and the Masses, that's Mark. That's that's what he says. That's what TV is. I think she's all wrong about the infantilisation. I think TV has always been a mix between stuff that is infantile and is just sort of chewing them for the eyeballs, really. And and, and also, I would say that there's a place for that. And there's a place for Made in Chelsea in the Grey Northern shirt. And there's also a place for Blue Planet by David Attenborough. You can have both. How do you and your friends uh, smoke? I don't know whether smoking yes, is just sir. completely off. No, people do still of smoke. 20 though. friends. Say 20 of your close friends. Yeah. What percentage would you say smoke? 20 of my close friends. Yeah, of your close friends you're talking about. Or is it just. Is it, has it become two, a class maybe, thing? Or something? Yeah. Oh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a class thing at all. No, you, so you don't two, think working class kids. More than you and your sort of middle class chums, you don't think the working class. Because no, also, I do have quite like him. Um, I think basically, I think with class stuff, I live in a in between middle class, mm. working class. I just think that some stuff with working class, middle class is quite difficult to define the exact mm. class line. I don't think there is as much anymore. No, I think you're right. And I think also if you're in the north, it is much more blurred. It's very easy in London because there, if you go to Hampstead, if you were at school in Hampstead Highgate everybody would be middle class. I think the North is a completely different world to the South, and I think there's less class divide, even, yeah. perhaps. Well, anyway, but so, so think... it's not a class thing, then. Not Two out of 20 smoke. Yeah, but then more... So, like, smoking... I don't. I think smoking in the daytime is very different to, like, smoking on a night out, because that's more common. Yeah. Do you know what well, I mean? Well, this one is just because... So smoking, um, like, regularly, uh, less. There's a production studio that's launched a project to encourage the removal of smoking from film and TV. So you'd get a thing like Mad Men, mm. where everybody smoked in Mad Men because it was set in the 50s, and everybody yeah, did yeah. use to smoke in the 50s. Uh, there's a, a Centre for Disease Control and Prevention in America said there was a casual relationship between depictions of smoking in the movies, uh, or TV, like Mad Men, where yeah. it looks cool. It look, you know, yeah, and you I mean, the, the cover of, of Alex Turner on the cover of like Arctic Monkeys albums mm, is smoking. Yeah. Um, Do you think there is? Because what, the, what I think the, it's, this production I think that's com- ridiculous. Well, what this production company are doing, it's a scene where people are smoking. They've taken the cigarette, they've photoshopped the cigarette out of their mouths and put a kazoo in instead, <laughs> thinking that will discourage more smoking. I just think that's ridiculous. Tr- it does look cool, though, doesn't it? it when oh, you're... completely agree. I think it looks so cool, which is completely wrong, and I'm conditioned to think that way, clearly. But do you think, you, you yeah, think your friends are influenced also... anyway by Alex Turner looking cool on the Arctic uh, Monkeys Yeah, yeah, But definitely. does it influence that they would take up smoking because of that? No, but I don't think they would take up it up because of that. I think that people smoke on like nights out and at parties because of that. I, and I also don't think you can take it out of films and TV and stuff because if I was writing a play and I wanted people smoking in it, and it, it I was writing a play that's set at a house party or at a club, people are going to be smoking. So no need, you would say, to replace cigarettes with kazoos? No, I don't think so. I think that you should, you know, if you're writing something that's naturalistic, then there's no way you can avoid it. We'll have a short break and then we'll uh, swap music. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, I've got a reason for, uh, for mine this week. Oh. This is, this is quite interesting, how technology drives popular music, more than, more than art in any way. And I've mentioned to you in the past, you get rock and roll songs and things like um, Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, you know, classic rock and roll from going way back into the 1950s. And those songs are nearly always two minutes, two and a quarter minutes long. They're very short songs. Because they had to fit on jukeboxes. <laughs> because they had to fit on jukeboxes. And of course, the more people would put their dime in the jukebox, the songs would be short. No, we had dimes. <laughs> so that people put their dime in a jukebox more often. You know, yeah. play, because they'd get three songs would cost them you know, a quarter or whatever. As jukeboxes became less important for, uh, for playing songs, they got longer and longer. And you got some very long singles in the 60s. And uh, the one, the longest one was a, a single called MacArthur Park. I don't know if you ever heard it, but I, no. it's it's hard to cut twenty seconds out of it because it changes you yeah. know, different styles right the way through. It's seven and a half minutes long. Wow, which That's was long. yeah, it was a boon for some of us on the radio because it meant we could go and. Uh, uh, kind of a short break in between. We could have a comfort break in between uh, mm-hmm. songs. But anyway, I'll play you just a little bit of it. Twenty seconds. Manapas Park is melting in the dark. All the sweet green icing. There we are, 21 seconds of MacArthur Park. I guess music is kind of longer now, but the song... No, that's the point I'm making. It's not longer. No, the point I'm making is it's gone back to being shorter. The reason, and this is the whole thing about technology driving it, Mm -hmm. because rap songs, uh, because of Spotify, have become much shorter. Are you familiar with the artiste Lil Pump? Lil Pump, yeah. I saw Lil Pump at um, Leeds Fest. It's It's absolutely like... So it was the worst mosh pit I've ever been in. It was so just like it was. It was mainly boys, I think, which didn't help because they're bigger, like just mm-hmm. physically. There was a guy. A guy collapsed in the thing and had to get like carried out and stuff because oh, right. Lil Pump like stood on the stage and then he made everyone like move, split in the middle, and then he wanted to like walk out into the stage and it was just too much. It was w- way worse than any of the bigger yeah. mosh pits. Well, his hit last year. Which went Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci, Gucci Gang. Yeah, this Gucci is his gang. most famous song. Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. It continues was, like that. Yeah, it was just about two minutes long, mm. uh, Gucci Gang. And uh, apparently, this is to do with Spotify. You know, p- streaming. It's to do with streaming. Ah. People don't want to stream. You know, people lose attention after a couple of minutes. 
and therefore, and especially uh, rap songs. Do you know Bad Baby? Bad spelt B-H-A-D, Baby spelt B-H-A-B-R-E. I don't yeah. know him. He's, his first three singles, apparently, comprise less than six minutes total. Our well, albums are getting shorter as well, apparently. Lil Pump's 15-song self, self-titled debut album is just 36 minutes long. And that's going back to rock and roll days. The rock and roll days albums were about 36 minutes long. Wow. Uh, the, the Beatles obviously uh, lengthened the whole thing, you know, and uh, Sergeant obviously. Pepper, obviously it was the Beatles who were in the forefront of everything. So that's the reason I played a bit of that. It, oh, interesting. It, it was Richard Harris who performed it, who's an actor. I played, uh, well, you'll know him best as playing Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. Yes. That was Richard Harris. He's yes, an old, yes, yes. He's an old geezer. Mm-hmm. But in the 60s, he was a young geezer. And, yeah, uh, I can't think of people who were young. You know, mm, like, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Uh, one of his most famous films was This Sporting Life in 1963. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, well, set in Wakefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, around Good. Uh, Wakefield Trinity. So he made that film. He was one of those uh, stars of that uh, of that era, you know, what they used to call kitchen sink movies, uh, British films. Uh, the f- song was written by Jimmy Webb, who wrote loads of fantastic songs, like By the Time I Get to Phoenix. You probably know that. Yeah. Uh, Wichita Lineman. So your song this week? Yeah, um, not got as much to say about it as that. Um, it's by it's a song called Elephant Gun by a band called Beirut. that was Elephant Gun by Beirut they're an American band um, it was originally the solo just one guy called Zach Condon um, from Santa Fe Santa Fe which is in California California um, and their music is kind of indie rock but it's also got a lot of um, like they call it like world music it's almost like European gypsy mm, well you could tell the gypsy bit there yeah was it uh, what What was it about though Elephant Gun have you any I, no, no idea no what I about? don't know just a nice you cheer. don't ask me that usually like well I don't know well usually usually I can tell from the I've video liked... what's it about this was like three girls dancing around and occasionally draping themselves <laughs> over the guy so it starts off saying, "If I was young, I'd flee this town," and that's what Zach Condon did when he were, when he was seventeen because he ran away from home to Europe and stuff. And it's kind of the elephant gun stuff. They're big yeah, rifles, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to, to yeah. shoot down Elephants. game and things. And I think it's about a nostalgia for that time that Beirut's music is meant to kind of because a lot of their stuff. Sounds more old-fashioned than it is. Mm. So this is from the two thousands, but it sounds older than it is. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. To say yeah. So I think it's that kind of idea, and I think it's about. So the the director of the video said that it was about the nostalgia you feel and the juxtaposition of between what you remember your life to have been versus actually what it was. But I really like Beirut. I think they're really good. That's it. <laughs> well, I can't argue with that. Uh, quite a few emails this week, Ruth. Martin Bolton says, Ruthie, as you've never been to... It really makes me laugh that everyone calls me Ruthie because no one 
Like apart well, that's from sort of no, you too. you and Mum and stuff call me Ruthie a lot, but um, nobody at school. No, does. no, no, none of my friends would ever call me. Well, Ruthie. yes, he's going from the title of the podcast, obviously. I know, I understand. Martin Bolton says, Ruthie, as you've never been to Birmingham, if you do come, I'll arrange for my twenty-year-old daughter to show you round. Um, sorry, he said, I forgot to say, we do live in Birmingham. We're not just randomly offering you to show you round. So there you are. So I'm sure you won't take it up, but this is an invitation. This oh no, is, definitely you, not. You're becoming famous. I get very. I would. You'd be too embarrassed. Oh, I'd be maybe the most nervous I've ever been. Okay, so Martin, thank but you thanks. very much. We do appreciate the offer, but um, she's probably not going to take it up. And you might take this one up when you're not too busy. Somebody called John Med, who I'm, I think is a student. I can't remember. He's been in touch with me before. He says, loving the podcast, what's not to like? What's not to like, Ruth? I mean, multiple things. Uh, he says, loving the podcast, what's not to like? Martin, you were kind enough to answer a few quick-fire Q&As for my blog a while back. Ruth, would you care to join in too? If I email what? some cues over, you'd be a star. Yes, I'll, of course. She'll answer your questions if they're answerable, but you won't answer anything you don't want to. And Martin Leo says, personally, I think Ruth should go to York. This is in the Great York-Lancaster debate. Because it's much like the earlier wars of the Roses. Yeah, because <laughs> the Sean, same amount of bloodshed ensues. Indeed. Personally, I think Ruth should go to York because Sean Bean is nicer than Charles Dance, but I might be getting confused. Not quite Sean Bean? I don't well, get Sean it. Bean is from No, Sean Bean from Game of Thrones. Yes, he's from Yorkshire. Very famous. And Charles Dance, presume, is in uh, Game of Thrones as well. This is who I don't well. know. Charles Dance. I assume he's in Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Is that what it is? Is that reference. the thing? Yeah. I just don't know the actors, but I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones. So. Mm. Oh, yeah, he's he's Tywin Lannister. Right, well, if you'd you have go. said That's If you'd have said Tywin well, Lannister. You see, you, you're supposed to be up on all these uh, Game of Thrones references. Uh, he also says, if you like the harmonies in that No Name song, or No Nami, um, you might like Birds of a Feather by Wolf Peck, a fantastic oh, band. I'll write that down, because I've never heard of that. Yeah, Birds of a Feather by Wolf Peck, spelled V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K. And uh, Andrew Mangian says, hello Martin, I've just listened to your latest podcast, and I'm somewhat dismayed by the anti-South sentiment displayed by Ruth, <laughs> i.e. Bristol is, quotes, too South. Could you provide an explanation why there is so much vitriol aimed at anything south of Nottingham? I think we're getting our own back, I would have said. No, but um, it no, it's it such a thing on Twitter. Someone tweeted, I thought it was really funny. Someone tweeted, you know, with the, the crocodile thingy, um, what's it called? The symbol that looks like, like a bracket, but not a bracket. Not a bracket. Yeah, you know what I mean. Triangular bracket. Yeah, they yeah. used to call them crocodile mouths in, oh, in, in school that. to teach you that one side, so whatever's on one side of it is good and the other side is bad. Right. So someone put south, north, and then someone else, and then someone put um, Korea, maybe, but not England, mate. And I thought it was really funny. But there is a really big anti-South set sentiment, mm. but it's not to do with the people who are from the South. I mean, it's a little bit to do with that because we think... That's all. I think it's a lot to do with the media, isn't it? It's a lot like to do with the media, and London, also that's the lead item on the news. Yeah, well, no, and all the news is from London, and also the trains are terrible up here, and no one cares. But if the tubes are down in London, it's a star, like it's a big story. But mm. literally, all like our train was cancelled today. Do you know what I mean? It's mm, just not, it a, and it's just sometimes it feels like the country doesn't care about the north. <laughs> Sometimes you think that uh, students, especially students 
at uh, Oxford and Cambridge. Don't read the news. There was a, a student dance, an event, you know, a disco dance, whatever, was arranged for St. Hugh's College, Oxford. Mm -hmm. And they decided to call it, uh, it's been cancelled uh, for being offensive. Because they, I mean, oh, how no, many more of these? Is, I know. How, literally, you hear about them so often. It's like, just stop it. <laughs> like that thing I told you about Durham with the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. miners and Margaret Thatcher. It's as if they don't know. It's as if they don't read anything. So after Durham and all the various other ones yeah. cancelled, now they've had to cancel one at St Hugh's College, Oxford. The event was called, was called Romans and Roadmen. It was a costume party to which guests were invited to dress as uh, Romans or Roadmen. Um, the latter does not refer to construction workers in hard hats, but to tough young town folk who loiter around street corners, occasionally buy and sell drugs, and use words such as peng, which we know about, peak, which means sad. Yeah, well, peak is like, yeah, you're like bad. Not like, you wouldn't be like, oh, I feel really peak. Yeah, so we use words like peng, peak, mandem, which is your friends. Yeah. The party was accused of being classist and offensive. And had <laughs> really? To be, no. <laughs> had to be called off. Because basically, quite apart from being offensive, there's no link between Romans and Roadmen. It's just two entirely <laughs> no, random they things. they first begin with Ara. Yeah, I think you'll find. Precisely. It was done entirely for the alliteration. Uh, it should have been Romans and Barbarians. So that would have made sense. Well, or, I think that's the idea, is that they're saying that yeah. Roadmen are Barbarians, but they're not. Poshos and peasants possibly could have called it as well. <laughs> oh, God, that's so bad. Yeah. Why do they... I just don't understand, though, because surely... You must be pretty smart. Did you see that? This is what I wanted. To, this I don't know. What, have you seen the stuff about Warwick University? Mm -hmm. oh, Those I did, boys about the boys who posted about. about well, no, they didn't post it. It was in their group chat. I don't actually understand know how their group chat got public. And yeah. um, they were talking about rape and stuff, and it's just awful. And then they were like, "It's just black humor," and you're like, "Well, no, not really. It's just." Yes, really, really terrible. Well, presumably when you go to... And then they've not been they've not been excluded or anything. It's ridiculous. And so some girl found, like, their actual names and stuff and was like, if Warwick University aren't going to expel them, then here's, here's their names. And also, I don't, think, I don't think that's really okay, to be honest, because... No, I don't Because it, it's the cult of um, justice, isn't it? That yeah. if, if you've seen Black Mirror... No, well, I saw one and I didn't like it. So no, I, I know, know, because I've showed you the wrong episodes and you should watch the other ones. But if you've seen the episode of Black Mirror called White Bear, that's all about the cult of justice and stuff. And it's about people going after one person because they think, because they know this story about them, mm. which is not right. And it's not, you know, we have courts for a reason. And mm. Speaking of Black Mirror. All right. I've got a thing about the. So there's an episode of Black Mirror called Nosedive. The basic premise of it is that everyone is ranked on a system that's kind of like Instagram or Facebook or something, where you like send likes and points to each other and ratings, and the that controls what you are and you aren't allowed to do. And then I saw this story about the social credit system in China. So this is... Have you heard about this? No. So it's a national reputation system being developed by the Chinese government, and it's been partially put into place from 2014, but should be... By 2020, it's intended to standardise the assessment of citizens and businesses on their social reputation or social credit. Um, so they'll be scored based on a lot of things that you can't really find much detail about. And so, and there's lots of punishments if you have a lower rating and stuff, one of which is um, low scores have been blocked from buying tickets for dis domestic flights, also from buying like luxury flights and sitting in certain places and stuff based on that social credit score which is must be what 
so what are you ranked? Black what, what are you ranked on? On your on your likability, essentially. Are you sure it's not on whether you've committed some sort well, of? I don't uh, think so. That it seems like it's. You know, like if you don't empty your dustbin or you don't. I don't. You know, I really don't understand. You can barely find any information about it, which I think is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So good question. Like how? What? What? Yeah, what so it's basically, it's called your citizen score and it comes from monitoring an individual's social behaviour. So from their spending habits and how regularly they pay bills to their social interactions. So, I, and it, and it, it's going to become the basis of how trustworthy you are basically, but how to, I don't know how you measure someone's social interactions, no, no. Um, but that is what they, they aim to do by 2020. So I, I assume you would have to, you would to have to rank each other because that's the only way you can get yeah. rankings on social in- interactions is if you... Yeah. I mean, it goes back to... I, I mean, I suppose in a way it's like uh, Uber where they can give you, you can give your Uber driver. As a five-star Uber ranked customer, five stars, which is really, really difficult to get, by the way, mm. I oh, might well tell then. you. Mm. Um, not many... Only like 0.1% of like the Uber, population have five. I always rank all my Uber drivers five stars because... Oh, well, yeah, because it's their livelihood. Do you know what no, I mean? It's, it's not a game, is yeah. it? Um, it sounds frightening to me. It sounds like a, oh my god, that, that absolutely is, that terrifying. Orwellian future. That's what it's it. And so, if you've seen this episode of Black Mirror, obviously Black Mirror draws on Orwell and the Hunt and Atwood and Huxley and all those famous and the writers. Zone. Yeah, um, it draws on all of those things. And this episode called Nosedive is pretty much the social credit system, and it's and it is terrifying. But it also makes me question. So this is in China, and I don't think in any way that the that the UK is at this stage, obviously. No. But because it does it question that to, you do get. It goes st- back to Chairman Mao. So it's very yeah. much a communist thing. The Chairman Mao started the whole business. But it does question how how close we are getting to a world where things, certain things are blocked and certain things are easier based on your social reputation in terms of like. Um, how many followers you have on Instagram or the type of things you post. Do you know what I mean? I think that we are going that way and we're increasingly with the internet and you can see it with the stories about the students from Warwick on Liam Neeson. Mm. We're increasingly quick to judge people on their social interactions. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's a sort of communistic thing as well, mm. that, definitely. Yeah, but it's very um, scary. It's very scary. I mean, now we've we've enabled all this spying to take place because we've, we, we're not, as we've said previously on, on the podcast, it's not Orwell's thing of they're watching you. We're watching ourselves. And we're, and we're watching on, each other. Watching I think that's the, that's the scariest thing about this, about the, the social credit system and the episode of Black Mirror is that it's, you know, you, you can never be truly close to anyone because you're all being watched by each other. And that's the thing in Orwell if children watch their parents and and husbands watch wives. Mm. And Yes, and uh, obviously anything that goes that's like East Germany, if you like, when we're being spied on all this. There was a film called The Lives of Others, which was absolutely brilliant about, uh, East, about East Germany. We better watch it. <laughs> Have you got a meme of the week? Yes, I do. Um, again, this is less funny, more informative. Um, I just learned the origin of pink lemonade, and I need you all to hear this. So, this dude selling concessions at a circus back in like 1857 ran out of lemonade, and he needed water to make more, but there wasn't a stream or water pump. But the bareback horse rider had just washed her pink tights in a bucket of water, staining the water pink. So, being the enterprising fella he was, 
Do just threw in the lemons and sugar and told everyone it was a special strawberry lemonade. Well, the circus patrons saw pink lemonade and thought, that is truly amazing, and he ended up selling twice as much lemonade than usual. To reiterate, this dude sold people sweaty horse crotch water, and it was so popular it became an actual thing. Delicious. Mm. I just like the expression horse crotch water. I think, <laughs> what a band they would be, horse crotch water. <laughs> so um, we ought to give the address I've not given the address I know no. you, you don't like me overselling the email but I do like to get them because it's you know it's sort of validation sort of thing so yeah, uh, validate us thank yeah, you ladies and gentlemen please validate us at martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you that's just martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com not it, it is. at martin you know because you said you can find us at Martin, and I didn't oh, did want people I? to think ah. it was at Martin. No, it's an email address. So people Martin would and know. Ruth, yeah. It's an email address, Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find the songs in full on the Spotify. Oh, you've got the full version of MacArthur Park in seven minutes, 21 seconds. Well, if it's on Spotify, then yeah. You can find them if you search Martin and Ruth or Ruthie, me and my dad. Either way, the those songs in full and all the songs from. All the other weeks, mostly. Not all the other weeks, because the first week. Yeah, we, we didn't do. Yeah, no one emailed being like, "There's only thirty songs," because <laughs> we didn't do the song from the yeah. start. So there you go. There are lots of songs, and the the good thing is that if you like some of them, it points you in the direction of others that you might like. Yeah, isn't it? That's great. Yeah. So thank you for listening. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 